I think, you know, if you really love that fabric, then use it in whatever you can until it's all gone because there will always be beautiful fabric and there'll be another range that comes out next year that will be beautiful and you'll love that as well. So if you buy that gorgeous fabric that you really love and you're terrified of cutting into it, just do it. You're listening to Fussy Cutters Club Podcast, a show that gives you permission to cut into the good fabric so you can make quilts you love. And now your host, who believes it's not a crime to love using novelty fabrics, Ange Wilson. Welcome to a special episode of Fussy Cutters Podcast. Today we're joined with Ray Lee from Sunflower Quilting and Stitcheries. Ray Lee is my quilty BFF a dubious honour to hold at the best of times, but Rayleigh makes do. (laughs) So Rayleigh and I have known each other since my son was eight weeks old, so just over 11 years. Rayleigh has seen me through ups and downs, sideways. Uh, She is the person who takes me to the emergency room at three o'clock in the morning when I wake up in pain. She has been there for Christmases, weddings now, all the good stuff, moving. She, No one packs a removalist van quite like Rayleigh does. She's been through it all. But the thing that united us was quilting. Quilting was the thing that we met all those years ago over. We actually mil- met at a quilt show doing the hanging for a quilt show. So we've seen it all. We've been through ups and downs. Rayleigh is the person that I give all of my quilt tops to to quilt. No one quilts them quite like Rayleigh does. I don't trust anybody else with them quite like I trust Rayleigh. So today uh, we thought we'd get together and talk about how to quilt a fussy cut quilt. Because fussy cut quilts are all about the fabric, it takes a special kind of skill set and a special understanding to quilt them. And I trust Rayleigh implicitly with mine. So join us as we talk about everything and anything, but roughly around the topic of fussy cutting quilts. Rayleigh, welcome to the show. Welcome. Today we're talking to Rayleigh of Sunflower Quilting. Rayleigh... And I used to live in the same town, same city, and then one of us decided to move to nearly the other side of the country, and now we're no longer together, so we have to make do with these Zoom calls. Rayleigh is my quilter extraordinaire, my offsider, my the other side to my coin, because I don't have time to quilt, so Rayleigh is a professional long armour and does all my quilting for me. Is that the best way to describe it? That sounds pretty good. Well, you could also say that you provide me with really cool quilts to quilt on. Yes. Yep. That is my entire focus of my life is to give you a quilt to quilt on. <laughs> That's what I figured. <laughs> yeah, because I ain't got time for that. So Rayleigh and I have done – how long? I worked it out the other day. We've been quilting together for 11 years. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and we've – in that time we've won – Blue Ribbons. Blue and Ribbons. We've won Show Red. Champion. Yes. And we've done other stuff. And quilts sent to other states for display. Yep. We've had quilts shown overseas. Uh, so, yeah, it's, quilts it's been in an a illustrious book. combination. Oh, yeah, we got it quilts in a book. I always forget that I wrote a book. <laughs> I wrote a book. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I thought Rayleigh would be uh, the best person to talk to about 
quilting for fussy cutting because primarily that's the style that I use uh, in my patchwork. It's a very motif-laden patchwork that we would have a chat about how we approach that process. And then in the in the process of talking about that process, we'd probably cover a lot of other stuff because we tend to talk around a lot of things. But yeah. Yes. So did you want to start with anything in particular? Well, as far as quilting on fussy cut quilts, yes. Yeah. When Angie asked me about this chat, I was like, well, every quilt requires checking, like looking into it as its own quilt, not because fussy cutting can be different in so many different ways, whether you're doing your motif laden quilts or whether you're piecing to create a new pattern or you're specifically using a fabric in a certain way. Each quilt needs to be approached, I guess, on its own merit. So that would be the the first thing. So just, you know, work out what you want to do. Then as for most quilts, you know, work out what you're trying to do with the quilt. Who is it for? Like who is it for a particular person? Is it for a particular reason? And then you that can guide how you decide to quilt it as well. And then what what do you want to do? Like how do you want to how do you want to play up what's in the quilt? So I guess it's really chatting to the person who's made the quilt which is great because Angie and I've, you know, we've worked together for such a long time. So I guess I think I'm sort of following where her brain's going with a particular quilt, (laughs) at least I hope. So I can throw out suggestions that will hopefully enhance what she's created with fabric. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's, yeah, yeah. We'll talk more into depth about it all, but Essentially, we work together. I look at it as a collaboration. I have a certain skill set. I'm like Liam Neeson. I have a particular skill set and you have a particular skill set. And then we look at how those two things can be complementary and come together to enhance whatever it is we're working on, which sounds like a really artsy-fartsy way of going, hey, I've got this quilt I finished. Can you work your magic on it? But that's essentially what we do. So we have a conversation around... I tend to go to you because I'm not a quilter and in the entire time I've been patchworking, I think I've quilted like three things with straight lines or a grid pattern. I look at quilting as its own specific skill set and craft and expertise. And to me, it requires a certain amount of practice and and um, what's the word for it? Oh, we know that. Oh, look, I'm having a brain already. You know, it requires its own set of concentration, (laughs) which is ironic that I forgot that word. So that you would specifically work on quilting and the motifs and the tension and understanding how the thread works and the different weights of thread and the impact that they get. And so I approach everything in the the sense that I want to master whatever it is that I'm doing. And for me, I started with patchwork and that's where my joy sparks from is the patchwork and the cutting up the fabric and sewing it back together and precise points and all of that sort of stuff. And I feel like I've not yet become really proficient in a way that I would like in that space. Because you still use pins. (laughs) Don't start with the pin thing. So for those at home, one of us likes to pin and one Everything. of us likes to fly by the seat of their pants. <laughs> yep. 
yeah, so I'm still concentrating on learning the patchwork side of things. So I always kind of go, oh, I don't have time to devote to being a quilter. Plus, I'm really lazy, so I didn't want to have to wrangle it through a machine or, you know, I didn't have the upper body strength to be a domestic quilter. And I always admire people who do it on their domestic machines. So we have this relationship where I admire your specific skill set and so I take my specific skill set to you to get you to do your magic and make my skill set look better through your. And that's often part of the role of the quilting or the quilter is to know when to when to make it, you know, the quilting a feature and when to make it a support act. Yeah, and that's – so when we work together – I tend to start, well, obviously I start the project, but by the time the quilt tops together, I usually hate it (laughs) and never want to see it again. But I have in my mind a goal with that quilt. Mm. And so for the stuff where we've done custom, I go into it with a specific, I I want to play this bit up, I want this bit to recede. Sometimes I just go to you and go, I don't care what you do, you do you. I've done my bit. I don't want to think about it again. It's sometimes hard because what I, although, you know, I do think we're sort of fairly similar, but sometimes it makes it harder to know I then have to let the quilt sit and look at me and talk to me, which sounds really woo-woo, but they sort of, you just need to let it fester and get some ideas come and then, you know, work out what's going to be cohesive. But it's sometimes by the time I've finished with a custom quilt, it's not my favourite either. <laughs> and I'm very ha- happy to uh, send it home. So. <laughs> but it is that thing of um, I feel like I give you this quilt top, this flimsy, and it's just fabric, right? And then I very get back. fabric. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's nice fabric. And I get back this magical kind of something happens between handing it over to you and taking it back where it goes from being Oh, I don't even know the way to describe it. Fabric that you've spent a lot of time on and it's probably not your favourite anymore. There's a bit of time and distance in there. <laughs> and yeah, then we true. add a bit it's of texture. It's not an overnight process. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and then we add a bit of texture. So I think the combination of all those things, when you get it back, it's like, oh, that's right, I do actually like this. Yeah, it's very rare I get a quilt back and go, oh, yeah, I still don't like you. Yeah, not my favourite. <laughs> So, yeah, so we work we work in that way. And then obviously in 11 years we've done a lot of quilts together and my father keeps telling me I have too many quilts and I should sell some of them. And I go, I think we've done a mixture of, would you say we're predominant, we've done predominantly panto or do you think we've done more custom? I think, no, I think that, the, the, no, no, I don't think it's an even split. I do think it's in favour of panographs. But then when we have done custom it's it's for a purpose like it's you know there's a there's a specific goal in mind design wise yeah but I think that's part of the fun of of fussy cutting is you can put a pantograph on a fussy cut quilt Uh, it just depends on the quilt and that's where you need to assess you assess the quilt you know when you're ready for quilting or if if I can put my ten cents in, you know, when you when you start creating your quilt, have an idea of what you want to do quilting wise, because that can change how you piece uh, your quilt. Yes, 
So we tend to, uh, I mean, we're friends, so we talk a fair bit anyway, but when I start piecing something, I tend to send you photos and go, this is what I'm working on. This is my plan. This is this is how it's looking. So you can sort of start thinking a bit about, all right. Yeah, my, my brain starts ticking over with quilting ideas and, and, uh, and you know, how to make it cohesive. So, yeah. Yeah. And Which so, is always a um, Yeah. Yep. So for this discussion, we will obviously put links to and photos of the quilts that we're talking about in the show notes. So you can go and have a look at our work together and what we're talking about. The quilt that I want to talk about uh, first is, do you remember my X plus quilt? Yes. Japanese block. And so every piece of that quilt was fussy cut, right? Yes. And all different motifs, all different scrappy. And we put an edge to edge. I say we, you put an edge to edge over that quilt. We decided. yes. (laughs) Yes, together. And it really, when I went into that, the intent with that quilt was to make the piecing shine, was that I wanted, I didn't want any quilting to compete with the motifs that were in it. And so an edge to edge worked really well for it. But then with the Gypsy Wife, which I think is one of my favourite quilts I've ever made and hangs in our bedroom so I get to see it at the start of every day and the end of every day, I went into that with a real thing of this is going to be a combination of quilting and piecing. And so when we talked about what we were going to do with (laughs) that, I think the only only thing I brought to the table was that I wanted a different pattern in each of the background stripes. Yeah. And Which then ended, every, certainly did. <laughs> yeah. Everything else was up to you to do. Yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you approach the blocks? So those blocks are all traditional blocks. The pattern's called, used to be called the Gypsy Wife. Uh, it's a Jen Kingwell Designs pattern. It's now called the Wanderer's Wife. So Gypsy no longer PC. N- no. Uh, oh. So you can go and look that up, obviously, Google it. Um, and like I said, we will have photos of my version below. So I did a yeah. rainbow colour wash from left to right and then the background was a all, yeah, all Lizzie House from her Whisper, which was low volume collection, which was greys and creams. Yeah, and a little, a little bit of brown. I think she had in some of those prints. Mm, you um, didn't use it. They were all white, like light and grey, and really pale, yeah. and up to a medium sort of grey in the background. Yep. And so the blocks in that, I fussy cut. I fussy cut with a mixture of a a, a single motif that I wanted to highlight, like an illustration or a picture or something, and then in the blocks I paired that with tone on tone prints or solids, or prints that red as just a single colour group. And so how did you approach those blocks? So we wanted to make sure that the fussy cutting centre was not overshadowed by the quilting. So to create a bit of texture, they all had straight lines around them. Or um, So some of it would have been stitch in the ditch, but then there was some echo as well. So another, another straight line. The background of the blocks, I think there were more straight lines. Basically, sort of they were outlines. So the, the triangles and, and all the other squares 
were outlined and then another outline within them. And then I think that's pretty much all we did for the blocks. Yeah, it's code for a lot of really quite simple. Yeah, lots of rule of work, which takes, you know, takes a fair amount of time. But that was actually, in, in essence, you look at it and think, oh, that's really simple quilting. But just because it uses a straight line ruler or, or a curved ruler, it, you know, it, it does actually take a bit of time. And then that was probably enough on, on all of those. I think that was it throughout the, the actual feature blocks. The background, we wanted to make sure that those stripes, because uh, Angie did that really well with making sure that from the top of the quilt to the bottom of the quilt, the colours matched. So the stripe continued all the way down the quilt um, correctly. So, which I think, I'm not sure whether the pattern does fully. I have seen a, a couple of different ones and they're not always matching, but I think you did. So, no, there's one corner in. There is one section where the pattern gets out of whack with the mm. alignment's not right, but I got lucky in that the fabrics that I had chosen, because we were playing from a similar palette and I was using a tone in a consistent manner, when they got out of whack, it wasn't as noticeable mm. that they were out of yeah. whack. And really that's probably a reflection of I should have paid atten- more attention to what was going on. There is, I mean, it's, you're making, you're human, there's errors. Yeah. You're making a quilt as you go sort of thing, like on the fly. And I know in that that quilt, because I see it every day, there are blocks that I fussy cut directionally, but they're in upside down. and I didn't notice until like months actually so that we did that quilt what six or eight years ago yeah and I messaged you the other day and went did you notice this was wrong I can't even think what it was that was in it and I don't know that I had the piecing no and neither of us and it's been hanging on our wall for at least 18 (laughs) months now so like there's things that you don't sort of pick up on yeah but yeah we there are a few mistakes and I will show. And there are, at that point when I made the quilt, I don't think I was as au fait in directional prints as I am now. And so every so often when I wake up or I'm going to bed and I'm looking at it, it really bugs me that on some of the economy squares or the square and square blocks, the directional prints aren't all travelling in the same direction. So, I think in the grand scheme of things, though, that it was the color that you're playing on. So it's a it's a really it's a detail that you would know because you know the quilt fairly intimately. I didn't pick up because it wasn't my focus during the quilting, and you know you, it might have been intentional on your behalf, and you know that's not that's not necessarily my part of the the deal. But I do think it still reads how you want it to read. So it's one of those yes. quilts that you know, gives twice in that you've got the impact from a distance and then you've got the fun when you get a bit closer and you see what the blocks contain and the, the you know, the fussy cut print in the middle and and then all the fun of the, the quilting texture. So, yeah. Yeah, and really that's, I mean, I think in any partnership at certain times one person's ego has to take a back seat and in some ways when we work together, 
because the piecing, especially in that quilt, the piecing was supposed to be their hero. Mm. You as a quilter could have come in and gone, no, I'm going to do this, this, and, and like, you know, quilted the heck out of everything. But you were mature enough to go, no, what needs to focus here on these blocks is the piecing. And so the quilting that I will do is to enhance the piecing and the fabric. Whereas I've seen other quilts. Good quilter should do is to know when when things need that extra, you know, zhuzh and when things need to be simple to make the most of what's there because that's yeah. the quilt is it's quilted enough in the in that center part to hold it together because that's also a you know a function of the quilting it's not just to look pretty but to hold the quilt as the three layers but then you know then what do we add well do we need to add anything and i think that's a question that should always be asked but then if you look at the background the stripes you know i have gone to town there a little bit and it's created an awesome texture across that quilt, which I still love. And yep. so for those that were, uh, you know, can now probably click over and see the, the picture, the background has stripes and there are five quilting designs that go the length of the quilt along those stripes and then they repeat across the quilt. So it just creates that it's a, there's a texture in the background which I know, so I'm working from memory here because I haven't got a picture in front of me. <laughs> but I think it it creates a texture from a distance, and you, you then you see the detail when you get a bit closer. But it allows because that texture is there, and they're all reasonably similar in density of the quilting. So that becomes a bit of a background, you know, meshing of those, which allows those blocks that the that are the feature to be the feature that they're supposed to be. That was a really messy way of explaining that. But Oh, that was a yep to the explanation, not the messiness. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that I think we achieved what we were trying to with that one in that sometimes the simple quilting is all that's needed for fussy cut blocks like that because you just wanna create I think what I've done is I've created a frame almost on those blocks. Yeah. And and then the background texture is there, and then it, when you get a bit closer, it's something you can say, "Oh, that's what they've done." So, yep. I, I do think you, do, yeah, it's a combination of of what's required and what the goal is for the quilt. Yeah, and then we've done. Um, so I'm just gonna go to the book because yep. apparently yep. I did write a book. Your fussy um, cutters club. Yes, the quilt on page 124. This one. Yes. Can you see this one? Oh, yes. Yeah. This I've one. Oh, look, you have to. Oh, snap. Uh, this one's a, so this is focal on point quilt on page 124. And again, scrappy piecing, a really simple block design. And I'm looking at this again and I'm like, yeah, I really like this quilt. Why haven't I made another one? <laughs> <laughs> and again, Simple quilting on the scrappiness of it all. Yep. But you created a secondary pattern, repeating pattern, through the quilting on the background of this quilt. And there's a full layout shot of it. And, again, I'll put photos in the um, show notes. But you created a border with quilting and thread on this because it's a beige. Actually, it's a cream background. And so it's really – 
yeah, a really simple, I say simple, but I'm not doing it, quilting design because it is, again, lots of ruler work. Yeah, we seem to do a lot. When we do custom, We, we the, my rulers come out. It's just a thing. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. But you've used a, I don't know what the technical term is it for it, but you have used a more organic pattern to create the gold border yeah. um, in it. And so, I, again, I think with this quilt, I just took it to you and went, do something with this. And you sat on it for a little bit and then went, I'm going to stick the wrong backing on it. And um, <laughs> you, could, you had to bring that in, didn't you? <laughs> It's because I started it at like 11 p.m. and I'm a night owl and Angie's an early morning pigeon. And, and so I was like, oh, I need to start now. But if I, Angie will be asleep and then I'll be asleep. So it'll be tomorrow afternoon. So I think I just made a start and then I put the wrong backing on the quilt. So. Yeah, but that's right. And it's this, because we're friends and we've been friends for a long time it's something i enjoy r- reminding her of every so often because that's an australian thing right if we love you we make fun of you yeah but yeah so this because there's a lot of negative space on this quilt design it was a real opportunity for you to create a secondary pattern and in this instance the quilting is really simple but so effective and it makes the piecing Complementary, it complements the piecing, I guess, is the, for what would be simple patchwork, like it is essentially just squares yeah. on point, gets an added layer of depth and complexity to it because of the quilting. Yeah. And I think it's the, the benefit of, so I'm looking at the picture and it's just like, it's the, trying to imagine the, the quilt without the quilting, where it would just be the plain cream background. And that, yeah, that is a lot of space that whilst what I've done in thread doesn't take away from the colour and the feature print that's there, but it does back it up. You know, it is the the support act, which means that each of those blocks are framed in the, the straight line quilting. Again, lots of rulers. And then the the border, by having that organic, flowing quilting which isn't a lot there but just by a little bit of thread uh change of color in thread because I think I used a it wasn't an actual gold thread but it was out of a gold color like a deep gold color it just adds a bit of extra to the outline but as you can see if you want to jump over to the picture you can see that it's there but it doesn't overtake the piecing but it does frame the quilt just a little bit and sort of finish that and it breaks up that big triangle as well so that it's not just a big triangle sorry that sounds like I'm dishing on your um on your piecing choices <laughs> but it's um <laughs> it finishes no, mine. <laughs> it finishes that triangle and frames the quilt at the same time sorry excuse me while I have a drink of water. Yes. I mean, I have a weakness for on-point quilts, but the downside, downside, I actually like it. The thing about on-point quilts is that it leaves essentially triangles and diamonds on the sides of them. And yeah. for me, having a amazing quilter in my back pocket, it doesn't freak me out the thought of 
leaving those big spaces of fabric because I'm like, oh well, Rayleigh will go to town on it. It you know, it won't won't matter. The other thing too is these this design if you do end up with large bits of negative space and you don't have the money to afford uh, custom quilting, then an edge-to-edge, if you choose the right edge-to-edge, you will get that pattern showing yeah. up in those negative space areas. Absolutely. So yeah, it's another great way to complement the – like so this quilt that I've done has Lizzie House's butterflies all over it which I designed this quilt to show off her butterfly fabric because it was one of my favourites. And you could easily have, have chosen a butterfly panto. Exactly. And, and if, the- if we'd chosen like a, a contrast thread, which would sit really nicely on all of those coloured fabrics, but just show up just a little bit on uh, the the background. So I'm thinking if, you know, if we translated this quilt and put a pantograph on it, and just went for a slightly darker thread so it shows up just a little bit, all of those large triangles would be filled with butterflies with a thematic panograph, but it wouldn't have wouldn't detract from the piecing that's already there as well. So it would still work. Because all of those coloured squares are actually quilted as well in yep. the same colour that I've used in the border that bit that I've added in the border but you just can't see it because it's and it's purely functional it's a fairly simple design and it's purely functional to hold that down whereas the rest of it is a little bit more obvious but it just adds texture in those planar areas yeah and then if you go to page 119 you've got my um flying geese one no oh no that one yeah so that one has a pantograph on it yeah, so we called this one a we. I called this one Inception Squared because it's square and a square and a square in a square. Mm-hmm. And we did a pantograph a we. You did a pantograph over this. And again, this quilt is all just about the fabric. Like it's all yeah. fussy cut centers. It's I finally mastered directional prints, so it's all about the directions in the triangles going the same way. It's about fussy cutting for print placement, all of that amazing stuff. And so a panto on this, um, and you can see it on page 118 in the the diagrams of the blocks themselves, you can see the swirly panto. And so it's just a really simple pattern, edge-to-edge repeating design. And, And it brings texture to the quilt, but it doesn't compete with the blocks. However, on the other side, if we decided to custom this quilt, you would have gone to town on all those triangles. Well, Um, yes and no. I probably would have, but you have to remember that because you've got all your gorgeous prints there, a lot of the quilting would not have been obvious, as you can see by the pantograph. So I, I probably would have done more straight lines, but it wouldn't have been... I think we did the right thing for this quilt in using a pantograph because it it's functional quilting, yeah. ideally, whereas the like custom quilting on that one in many ways would be lost because you've got lots of prints. If all of your extra blocks, so like the final square on each block was a plane uh, or a, a more of a um, – like a blender type print, 
rather than if uh, you know having the the print that's there then yes quilting would have shown up but in many ways it just would have been lost and so not it, it, yeah pantograph was ideal for this quilt yeah and it's really funny because i look at this quilt two things I wish my book worked like an iPhone because twice now I've gone to inch finger drag to expand to zoom in and book book does not do that. It doesn't um, do that. But I'd forgotten how many amazing fabrics I have in my stash. Yeah. And now, you now, might have oh, to do geez, this that, one again. That was my tummy. Yeah, that's what, what, like, interesting. I, do this one again and in each of the other bits, you know, use a plane and we can go to town. You don't define me. I will let the fabrics choose where they want to go. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I don't, like I said, I forget I've got a book. And so it's not like I sit around looking at it and going, yay, look at it. Look at how amazing these are. But now I've seen that focal on point one and the Inception Squared one. I'm like, dude, we should make these again. (laughs) Which is just, it's silly. But I mean, that's the beauty of patchwork. And it's why I love it. It's it's something that I never get tired of playing with the fabrics and cutting things up, and then I never get tired of seeing what you do with them. But I love the fact that, you know, if you made this again, it would be the same pattern but a completely different quilt. Oh, yeah, and for sure. Obviously, you know, even if you used the same sort of concept with, with the fussy cutting and, and as much as you've done there, again, it would just be such a different feel so you know in all my quilting I've I've probably quilted the same quilt twice in 14 years the same design well no that's not true because you've made you've quilted like seven or eight versions of kinship for me well this is yeah but they're all so different and that's what I mean (laughs) they're all so different with the Either the color or the the um how the colors flow across the quilt, or the even I mean you know apart from using different ranges and all that sort of stuff, they feel like different quilts. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, so I'm probably not counting your stuff really. Yeah, because I've also yeah, done. I am a like special seven, flower. Yes, you know kinship or hundred days events. So however many yeah. we've done, you've done. Yeah. So, um. Yeah. But I guess that's the thing, right? Because the combinations are infinite. So what mm-hmm. I'm drawn to today may not be the same thing that I'm drawn to tomorrow. God willing, it is though, because I've got to finish a hundred blocks behind me. Um, and so it just it changes. I was reading this thing. We're going to go off topic now, so people stick with us a bit. But I was reading on Instagram this morning when I was procrastinating about getting out of bed and someone was talking about stash and how much is too much stash and I am for huh is that a thing thing? well I didn't think so but (laughs) but I mean they make a good point right so the argument for stash I'm going to call it stash management is that it is a lot of money fabric isn't cheap and it's not getting any cheaper nope It is a lot of stash and I know in the industry and in the crafting community for a while their stash was seen as like a a status symbol. Um, Mm. The more stash you had, the better and all that sort of stuff. I've never subscribed to that. I kind of think 
to me, it feels a little bit like uh, comparing penises. Like it, there's no value in it. Um, everyone uses them differently. So I kind of just went, oh, you know, I have, I hand on heart have a very large stash and I try to make a point of not showing how large my stash is because I don't want to encourage stash gluttony. Yeah. Yeah. And, but two things, I'm a professional <laughs> and I tend to buy, I tend to make a lot of quilts on a good year and I tend to use scrappy quilts on my jam. So it's not like mm. I buy a complete line and then and go. And so I try to use everything. And then as I matured in my understanding of how the craft worked and how how my style worked, I bought things I loved. And this is the thing that I think trips everybody up, right? And it was reflective of this person's post because in it they were arguing that, you know, you end up with fabrics that you no longer love. So your fabrics are 10 years old, you no longer love them. And I, I concur. When I first started, I just bought everything. Somebody used it. I liked it. I bought it. Somebody said this was the the fabric to have this season. I bought it. Like I didn't understand myself strongly enough to be able to go – I don't actually like that. And just because everyone else says it's nice doesn't mean I have to like it. And so over the years, I've weeded out the stuff that I bought early on that I actually didn't really love. And now my stash is, it's like a play date to go with it and go digging through it and find the stuff and see the stuff. And even looking at the quilts in the book, to see those fabrics again and go, oh, yeah, I love that. Oh, where did I get that from? Oh, yeah, that's not. So... I think that's the key for longevity in quilt making is if you buy the fabrics you like, you'll always love them. Like it's – Yeah. And the same with pantos. <laughs> I have a very set aesthetic with pantos that I stick with to a certain extent and it's all derivatives of the Baptist fan or a repeating geometric Mm. It's very rare that I'll go, I'll have a a pictorial panto, like I won't. Except when I pick one for you. <laughs> <laughs> but you like that one. Yeah, yeah, but I won't be going back. Oh, I lie, the bananas. I really loved using the bananas. So there's upsides to learning what you like and learning what what works for you and and so when we go back and look at these quilts, we can kind of go, oh, yeah, I do really still love that quilt. I think we can fall into the, the you know, oh, this is this is really lovely fabric and I don't want to cut into it, the, you know, the, the holy fabric. Yeah. And I don't think that's a good way. I think, you know, if you really love that fabric, then use it in whatever you can until it's all gone because there will always be beautiful fabric and there will be yeah. another range that comes out next year that will be beautiful and you'll love that as well so if you buy that gorgeous fabric that you really love and you're terrified of cutting into it just do it because there's always going to be back together. another range <laughs> you can sew it back together <laughs> but then use the product use the item that you've put it into and enjoy it there rather than it actually sitting in your stash where you don't see it yeah so yeah, yeah. and that's that's a very good point and that's the whole yeah. 
purpose or premise behind doing this podcast was that I wanted to to help people get over that hurdle of it's too good. I'm saving it for a special occasion. This is yeah. a special occasion. Now, Every day today. that you're breathing is a special occasion. So yep. enjoy it. And you're right. Every year someone will release something that you kind of go, I can't live without that. I love that. That's And so the more you use it, the more enjoyment you get out of it. And I know, yeah. I don't know about you, but we have a lot of quilts in rotation in our house. And every time we put a new quilt on the bed, I'm like, oh, I'd forgotten. I love this one. I love this. <laughs> or, you know, I'll see some fabric that we've fussy cut for some insider joke that I've got with the husband or something. And I, it makes me smile. And, and so it's about having the confidence to do that, I reckon. So, yeah. Well, you wouldn't have um, that if you hadn't used the fabric and put it in an item that you're going to use and see. So yep. even even if it's, you know, every Christmas time you pull out whatever it is and use that item, but at least every year you've still reminded of that or you can enjoy that fabric rather than it sitting in a box in the cupboard where you don't and use I it. Don't think, I don't think there's any fabric that I have loved and adored that I have regretted using because I've run out of it. Yeah. I tend to... There is a certain line of Chula Pinks where I'm like, if I could get more of that, I would in a heartbeat. But you're not losing sleep so, over it, right? No. And I so I like to look at fabric like a, what do you call it? Uh, an antique treasure hunt, right? So I can, other people go antiquing. I go fabric hunting. So when we travel, I go to like a quilt shop or something or we go to – you know, we go overseas and I'll go check out quilt shops over there because a lot of times the local quilt shop doesn't have an online presence. And so what they've got on their shelves is special. And so you can find a whole heap of stuff in there. And then like eBay, Marketplace, D-Stash yeah. is on Instagram. I hunt for the stuff that I that I love. And then when I find it and I get it, it's special. It's extra special again. So yeah. And I really love every so often I'll see on Instagram someone chasing something that they love and they've used the last of. And if I have it in my stash, I send it to them because I'm like, I want you to have that feeling as well mm -hmm. of finding and getting back something special. And especially if they're using it, like it's, I don't want to send it to someone who's just going to collect it, lock it away. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, there's nothing wrong with collecting fabrics if that's your. It's no different to collecting trading cards, spoons, stamps. Mugs. Whatevs. Mugs. <laughs> Especially as a non-coffee drinker, collecting mugs is a bit weird. But, yeah, it's just that thing of you have to be happy with the choices you make in life, I guess, to get yeah. really deep about it. So, but, yeah, so you and I, would you say you and I have the same aesthetic when it comes to quilting? I'm going to throw a question back at you on this though in that are we talking quilting as in piecing or quilting as in quilting design like which skills are we talking overall. overall yeah well um, see one of us dear listener one of us has two skill sets so they can go <laughs> one of us is very good at piecing and quilting and the other one of us is only good 
at piecing. And but so- very, very good at, at piecing and using fabric in a great way and fussy cutting, which I Don't do pa- not do. Don't pander to me. Don't <laughs> pander to me. <laughs> do we have the same aesthetic? Let's jump back to the original question. No. I don't know. But that we, do. we still work well together, but yeah? We, yeah, because I can see what you're trying. Well, I hope I can see. The goal is to work out what you're trying to go, where you're trying to go with a quilt. And that's my job. But that's, I don't know that I have a specific aesthetic because I have quilted so many quilts for other people that I love. It's one of the advantages that I don't have to make all these quilts to enjoy them. I get to be up close and personal with them for a portion of time and then I get to hand them back. And if I really love it, I might make it. But overall, it's it's about what, where is this, what's the best thing for the quilt? And sometimes, the, you know, it sounds, again, a bit woo-woo, but sometimes a quilt talks to me. You know, you just get an idea about what you need, what it needs to put on it and whether that's simple quilting, uh, you know, a, a normal geometric pantograph or a themed pantograph or all the way through to custom quilting, that's part of knowing what the owner of the quilt or the maker of the quilt wants for their quilt. And so we go through this raft of questions, which, you know, I've done numerous times, but Angie knows all the questions that I would ask. So she generally just blurbs all that information at me and we go from there. Um, yeah. but if, you know, someone comes to the studio and says, I've got a quilt and okay, let's talk about your quilt and what you want and, you know, what color do you like? What color do you not like? You know, let's, I have actually put bright orange on a quilt, not very often, but I have done it. And, you know, that's a, it's part of that decision-making process of what, how are we going to finish this quilt so that it's done and can be used or almost done. Yeah. Still got the binding. Yeah, it's and the labor. part of it. So I think I think we work well to know what's the best thing for a quilt that you've made. Whether we need to go as far as custom and pull out my rulers again, <laughs> um, or whether we um, or whether a pantograph is the right thing. And I think it's all part of, as I said, each quilt needs to be assessed when it comes in the door, sort of thing. And I guess I know over the years lots of people have left comments on social media posts or emails or in at quilt shows and things like that about fussy cutting and that they don't know how to quilt for fussy cutting. Mm. And I kind of would like to demystify that in some ways because I think fussy cuts can be enhanced by the quilting whether it's an edge-to-edge all-over or a custom job, you just have to be deliberate in the choices you're making around thread, Mm. the scale of the pattern, the style of the pattern, whether you're doing edge-to-edge or um, custom. It's it's being mindful and deliberate in those choices. And I think um, I've often wondered – whether my fussy cutting tendencies are a manifestation, there's a woo-woo word for you, of my control enthusiasm. And so I wonder sometimes whether because I... You must there in a box. Yeah. Whether that also reflects in the choices I make 
the quilting because I do, it is very rare that I come to you and go, I don't have an idea. And so I wonder sometimes whether it is around that. Um, but I think it's it's part of your quilting knowledge and journey that you have an idea of how you want to complete the entire project, whether, you know, right from cutting out your first, you know, feature print to the end result of the quilting. I mean, not everybody cares about the quilting and some people, you know, they 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 don't want to know about the process. Love have clients who are, you know, prolific quilt makers, but they really are not interested in the quilting side of thing. They love the piecing, the creating of the flimsy, using their favorite colors, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when it comes to the quilting, it's a uh, it's to them it's that functional end result that needs to be this is Done. part of the end process sort of thing. Whereas yep. you have that bigger picture thought process where it's like, okay, this is what I want the quilt to look like and then this is an idea I have for the quilting. Whether it's a, a, a panograph because that's the right thing for that quilt or whether we need to add, you know, feature in in texture and stuff with custom, I think it's good to have an idea and then, you know, and as a quilter, it's the person that you're paying. Yeah, um, but sometimes it's actually harder if the client comes to you and says, oh, I actually don't care what you put on this quilt. And I'm like, oh, but what I like and what you like might be two different things. And, you know, when you come to pick it up, that's a lot to unpick if that, if you really hate it. And so it's, so, you know, I do generally ask those questions. Well, you know, okay, if we put flowers on this quilt, is that going to be the right thing? And that's, oh, no, no, no. Okay. So you do actually have ideas. And even if it's what you don't want to see, that's also good information to impart to the quilter. You know, I don't want to see flowers. I don't want to see bright orange thread. I do want, you know, a pale blue, uh, you know, and then we can audition ideas and, and colours and, and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, one of the things with a number of your quilts is we want to create texture. So if I can go back to the Gypsy Wife or Wanderer's Wife, I think yeah. from memory the background quilting, because we wanted to create texture only, I've used a thinner thread. So that is something else to consider is if you want to have quilting done but you don't want it to be a feature by adding weight of thread weight by weight I mean thickness of thread then you know you can talk to the quilter about using a thinner thread so that it literally blends with the background but adds the texture so you know there are lots of variables that we can include that will that you know it's all part of that assessment of the quilt where do we want to go even if we did a pantograph, but we wanted, you know, so a pantograph requires the same colour thread all over the quilt. It sits on top of everything. And so if you look at uh, particularly one of the quilts in your book, there's a small baby one that's all squares. It's a colour wash that you fussy cut the prints for. And we've done a Baptist fan. Now, Baptist fan is lovely in that it is gently geometric, if I can <laughs> describe it that way. But the beauty of that one is that the pe- that the lines of the quilting are a uniform distance. So if you have a, a quilting design that is, I guess, fairly uniform in how, um, how far apart the lines are, 
there's not a concentration of different things. So one quilt I did the other day had ants on it. So I had a little ant quilted in and then it sort of meandered loosely over to the next ant. Whereas, so that's a concentration of quilting. So we don't want that sort of concept. We want something that is a uniform distance across the quilt, which means that it recedes and it becomes texture rather than feature. And that's, for me, just personal preference, I oftentimes opt for the texture. It's texture for me and the repetition of that. And I like a dense, my preference is always for dense quilting. And so I like the, I don't even know what the word is for it, the less puffiness. Yeah, you like a fabric is held down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then when it gets washed and used, the crinkle factor of a dense quilting I really enjoy that. So that's yep. what I was saying. A lot of a lot of the edge to edge that I opt for is Baptist fan or a derivative of a Baptist fan. Yeah. And a Baptist fan is just a repeating curve of a, yep. like a clamshell. Concentric kind of curve thing. type thing. Yep. So um, very traditional pattern, but works yep. well on so many things and just adds a little bit of movement, but a whole lot of texture and but yep. lets the quilt the fabric of the quilt shine, which is yep. the goal. So that and that's the thing. And I guess for if you're on the fence about fussy cutting and you see all the fussy cutting on Instagram or Pinterest or books or whatever, m- my message today is don't let it don't let the fact that it has to be quilted put you off. In fact no. see the quilting as another element to complement and enhance your fabric choices. You know, you see a lot of those EPP, like the Millifiori style EPP, and they are a lot of secondary designs created in fabric placement and things like that. But they are amazing when they're quilted because a good quilter knows how to play up the geometricness of those quilts and the designs in those quilts and when to let the piecing speak for itself and then when to enhance the piecing. Um, see those ones, push the background. sometimes those just scream at you to enhance part of the piecing with, but even if it's straight line quilting and you're doing, you know, ditch, ditch ditching or often if they're EPP, you can't literally be in the ditch, but you can be beside it. And so it's very functional quilting, but it, can be straight line quilting, but it just plays up the shapes that are created in those quilts in particular. So I think uh, a lot of people think that, you know, oh, quilting always has to be really difficult and, and, you know, complicated, and it doesn't. I mean, if, if even if you looked at the, well, look at the, the Gypsy Wife one that I've done for you, that was straight line quilting, very basic quilting really in all of those blocks. And all of that stuff could be done on a domestic machine. It's It would take a little while and you would need to practice, but it's not difficult yeah. elements to quilt, if that makes sense. I'll take your word for it. You take my Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But each yeah. quilt needs to be assessed. I'll go back to that and I'll stand by that. Each quilt needs to be assessed on its own merits. And, you know, if someone else brought one of those and used different background fabrics, made another one of the the Wanderer's Wife quilts, then, you know, I would do a very different design on it unless they'd, you know, copied what you've done and said, I want 
that, you know, then that's what we can do. But if depending on the fabric they've used in the background, you know, that could be a very different effect and still look absolutely fantastic. So every yeah, quilt I mean, is different. Kinship's a great example of that. We've made, oh, totally. between us, we've made, what, 14-something versions of it. Yep. And the varying degrees of quilting that's gone on it and the use of patterns and fabric choices and colour choices and and they're completely different every time. And yeah. so, um, and like the version I'm making now is very heavily stripe based geometric stripe based and so in my head when I cut the first block I was thinking about how Ray Lee was going to quilt it because nice to know I haunt you daily (laughs) (laughs) yeah no because I was like I'm going to give you something to play with that's why and I mean this we we have a special relationship because we have worked together for so long and we are friends and we both enjoy our craft. I mean, mm. We love our craft. And so when I started cutting it and I've cut, like, I've cut at least a fifth of the quilt by now and I know I know what I'm going to say to you about it and it's basically go to town. Doorbell, um, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. It is go to town with the stripes and the dots and, you know, do whatever you need to do because I suspect this quilt will be a display trunk show. Nice. And that's the thing, right? We we go into it and, again, it's a reflection of the fact that we're both professionals. So a lot of our quilt making is for demonstrative purposes or we – we do both love a good show and so occasionally we'll do stuff with we're going to enter this in a show. So, you know, we have to, we approach that again differently. And so, yeah, it's that thing. And like I said, we do have a special relationship and I am not by any means um, saying to people, this is the only way that you can work and this is the only way you can do it with your quilt or anything like that. If you are the person that quilts your quilts, our goal is to try and inspire you to look at your piecing and quilting maybe a little bit differently and, and find some more excitement in there and, and try something new. Um, yeah, cause give it a go. In the, yeah, in the same way that cutting into the special fabric, you have our permission to cut into the special fabric, you also have our permission to try something different with your quilting. It's just Absolutely. stitches. You can and come out. That's it. Yep. So, and that's the thing is I, I think don't be put off. Don't let fear put you off from making no. something that is uniquely you. So that's that's us. We haven't even talked about how you started quilting, how long <laughs> you've been quilting, what's your favourite quilts, uh, how did we meet, what's your trick for getting blood off a quilt. That has <laughs> a lot to do with how we met. You know, like all that stuff. But our intention is if you if you like talking about quilting and hearing two Aussies talk about quilting and you have questions about quilting and you want answers to those questions or you, um, you're struggling with something, you want to submit a photo and go, hey, what would you two do with this? Or more probably, Rayleigh, what would you do with this? Oh, Whereas I will go. That sounds Ooh. like fun. 
ah, look at the fabric that person used. Ooh, look at the colour they used. Um, <laughs> email us. You can find all those details in the show notes. If you would like to hear more of this, too bad. You are going to get more of it because we're probably going to meet, what do we think, once a month? Yeah. Have a chat. Have a chat. Um, because we are working through another version of kinship. We have make yeah. the cut that we're going to have to do. Oh, we didn't even talk about make the cut because you custom quilted my version of make the cut. No, and it was so much fun. Oh, that was the one I did all the extra bits because you used Alison Glass. Yes. Yes. See, yes. I'm not really a fabric designer follower. I didn't know that because you. I remember you saying the other day. And yeah, but I often draw from quilts like what's in the quilt excuse me to pull out and add little bits to the quilting because we wanted to play up the make the cut design in the middle and then the rest of it is background stuff yep it's that is a classic example of I've added stuff which is lost until you get close enough because it's a quilt to look at from a distance and then you get up close and you can see the fun and the texture and yeah. and all that. So maybe you'll have to add a picture of that one. In yeah, the- yeah, for sure. And because the other thing is, which is on my to-do list for this week, is to send you the fabric for the cover version because we are going to make a cover version of that one, which yep. we're going to piece and quilt because I don't yep. have the mental capacity. And I'm going to make a different version of it in the traditional, because there's two layouts. You can either do the layout that makes the scissors pop, or you can do a traditional layout where it looks like a traditional sampler quilt. Um, And I'm going to have a crack at the sampler quilt, traditional sampler quilt, and I'm doing it in a nautical theme fussy cut. Yeah, yeah, baby. So um, I am... 2024, I am doubling down on all the things that I love. Fussy cutting, nautical, blue and white, rainbow, like everything. So I've got to do that. And then you and I have a date with another quilt at the end of the year that I am affectionately calling 99 Problems because it's the new sampler that's coming for the third challenge for 100 days. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that because that one's going to be a play on scale. So we're going to have 6 by 6, 12 by 12, and 24 by 24 blocks. Oh, nice. And so you are going to have lots of space. Going to have those big triangles, am I? Yep. And a bit of negative space. Uh, So we have a whole year of talking, quilting, fabric, Fun. Placement. Yeah, basically. And so I thought this year we would meet and have a chat about blocks as we cut them and piece them and consider. And then we might go through and have a look when people start posting their blocks for the challenges and talk about what we do with them. Yeah. Maybe as well. Um, So, yeah. So that's everything. Is there anything that we didn't cover that we should have? How are my chickens? Your chickens are doing very well. They're doing very, ch- very well. When uh, we left Canberra, I gave Rayleigh 16 chickens? 16? Yes. 12. No, it was about 12, yes. 12, and yeah, because we left. One of them was a, a rooster who has gone to live on a farm. So he's very happy with girls now. No, and literally has gone to live on a farm. Not yes. No, no, that's not a euphemism for anything. He has literally gone to live on a farm. Um, he was and, a heritage breed chook. Yes. So, um, <laughs> but because I'm in the burbs, I can't have a rooster. Have a rooster. 
So um, he was very pretty, but once he started crowing, he had to go. And, yeah, no, they're doing very well. And, yes, providing eggs. I get little green eggs. It's lovely. Yeah, so my goal, so again, control enthusiast, when we got chickens, my goal was to have a rainbow of eggs. So I was collecting chicken breeds where their colour of their egg was the important factor in the breed. Oh, except for I bought, we got the wine dots. We got a gold and um, silver wine dots. And the wine dot was the one that turned out to be a um, rooster and had to go. And like I said, he was a heritage breed. So a breeder was very happy to have him. But my goal was to have a ombre rainbow of chicken eggs. And we hatched 12 eggs into chickens, obviously. Um, we didn't hatch them into like reptiles or anything. And then we decided to move and I couldn't take 12 chickens with me. So wow. Rayleigh very kindly took on said 12 chickens and is now enjoying the rainbowness. It's not a complete rainbow. No, I was nowhere just, near finished. It's just the green ones and the, and I've got green and brown and, and I think, no, my white, my white, what's, I had a white one and she died. Yeah. So um, now we have, we just have four chickens up here while we're waiting for our pen to be built. And you need it to be snake proof now. Yeah. So the first weekend we had, (laughs) the first weekend we had the chickens in their new home and we bought, we specifically bought a coop that is snake proof because I live in the tropics of North Queensland in Australia where everything's out to kill you. And the mesh on the coop is really tiny so that rodents and snakes and things can't get into it so the chickens are safe. And I walked out to come to the studio and there was a three and a half metre carpet python sliding up the side of the coop, eyeing off the chickens. And I had to walk, I say walk, it was a very jaunty run past the coop to get to my dad who lives in the house in front of us and go, there's a giant snake on the coop. And that snake, that snake did not bat an eyelid at the fat lady running down the path screaming, (laughs) but it was just intent on the chickens. So now we want more chickens, but we have to build like a a bigger run thing that keeps them safe. But anyway, we've had nothing but rain and like storms the last couple of days. And I walked out there the other day and our chickens, I think, are starting to morph into ducks. They're like, (laughs) they're just drenched, scraggly. And I'm like, oh, poor babies. But when I tell the husband that we're getting more chickens to do my rainbow egg experiment, he thinks I'm crazy. But, yeah, we've got peacocks now. We've got chickens. We've got scrub turkeys. We've got. I say we've got peacocks. I was going to say, you only own the chickens. The rest are all just (laughs) nature come to visit. (laughs) Yeah, and yesterday I walked out, So, because it's Christmas time when we're recording this, um, we've had family here and everything for Christmas lunch and all that sort of stuff, and I had to clean our veranda that goes around our um, great room, I think they call it in America, but living room, dining room. And I got out there, and I haven't cleaned it for a few months, and the local wildlife has been using our veranda as a um, stopgap measure. Anyway, get out there, high-pressure hose, soap, scrubbing brushes. I clean off. 
everyone goes, peacocks, they're so gorgeous. It must be so nice to have peacocks. And I'm like, they do poo the size of your hand and it's caustic, so it rips the paint off the deck. So, yeah, peacocks are great. Anyway, out there scrubbing, cleaned it all off. It's beautiful. It's hygienic. You can go sit out there, look at the jungle and the river and be happy. And yesterday I walked out. We haven't seen a peacock since I cleaned. And I walked out yesterday and there's a mama peacock and her baby chick on the handrail of the veranda together. They were so cute. And I'm like standing there going, oh, you're so cute. Look at how cute you are. Next minute. Big poo on the. I'm like yeah. clapping my hands. Get off the veranda! <laughs> but they've all had babies, so now we're going to have. We've got six that come by regularly, so it'll be interesting to see how many we have once they've all had children. And they are really nature's going to so come cool. and join you on your deck. Well, no, we're going to screen our our veranda in, um, right? Because the mozzies out. Mozzies, snakes, peacocks, the wallabies, the rock wallabies have taken to sitting on the deck and huddling for protection and stuff, which is super cute, but again, another source of poop. So, yeah, we were thinking we would screen it in and then the dog can go out there without attacking anything and possibly the cats can leave confines of the house for a little bit and yep. be out there without being able to attack anything. But, yeah, it's been a... um. You've had a full-on, like, you know, fauna adventure since you've been up there. Yeah, and I sent, because, uh, again, Christmas, I sent a girlfriend uh, back in Canberra a text message and said, you know, just a touching base, Merry Christmas, blah, blah, blah. And she said, have you seen any snakes lately? Because we went through a bit of a patch there where we were seeing a snake every second week. And I was like, no, but we just saw this. And I sent her footage of the massive goanna, which is Australia's version of a Komodo dragon that came into our house area and I get this text message back from her going, you are so brave living up there. It's like, it wasn't the main reason. It's not like I have a choice. I have to be brave. But I'm I'm watching it from inside the house. Like, that's me, brave. If you look up the dictionary, there's a photo of me brave. I'm the girl that hasn't opened a single window in the house in 18 months since we moved here because I'm too scared of what might come through the window. So yeah, I breed them big up there. Yeah, brave <laughs> is not a term I would use. I won't go down to the banks of the river behind us because I'm like, there could be a crocodile in there. So I and don't the, go walking. You just have to dark. move faster than it. Or faster <laughs> than the other person I'm with. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> No wonder my my husband would be like, honey, why am I suddenly going for lots of walks with you? (laughs) Because I'm faster. (laughs) Yeah, it's been been an adventure and it's not an environment where you go, oh, this will be good for quilt making, the tropics. And I haven't, I don't think I've turned the air conditioner in the studio off in the entire time we've moved. That's not true. I do turn it off, but we are getting solar panels to try and reduce the the cost impact yeah yeah but yeah it is it has been a, an adventure so all of that stuff we can talk about we can because um, we could probably talk till the cows came home and then you can remind me what it's like living in canberra 
the nation's right. capital. So during our, mm-hmm. our, you know, May or June chat, I'll say, right, temperature's getting down. Mind you, it's the day after, you know, Christmas or a couple of days after Christmas and I'm sitting here in long sleeves because it was cold and I've got a vest on. Yep. It's summer in Australia. Yeah. Did you get hail? Uh, we didn't here in town, but I know out Bungendore way they got hail. So yeah, we yeah. on Christmas Day the rain was coming in sideways. I felt like you know that scene in Forrest Gump where Forrest talks about all the different types of rain in Vietnam. Mm. I was like that. That was our us yeah. on Sunday, on yeah. Monday. But yeah, just and at one oh, stage we, had we that were yesterday, at actually we had like pretty much all the types of rain. Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah. We were at church because, um, well, we were at church because that's what we do. But the minister at one stage had to stop because nobody could, could hear not him. hear him over the sound of the rain coming. But yeah, I mean, I'm very grateful for the rain and the weather. Uh, the garden looks amazing. I'm not not a proficient gardener by any stretch of the means, but moving here and now sharing a property with my parents, I've had to learn to be a gardener. You had to learn. <laughs> You watch, right? I haven't seen my parents this morning because I woke up, came straight into the studio, and I guarantee you I will walk out of here and if I see my dad, he's going to make some comment about now being the perfect time to weed because we've yeah. just had a storm and the ground will be all – and I'm like, mm-hmm. It's like 110% humidity out there, but sure, I'll go weed. Uh-huh. But so, yeah, so we've got – very different lives now. We used to have very similar climate temperature experience living in Canberra, and now we're separated. But you've been up here, been a up a few times. times. We've moved. Yep, yep. So, must be my turn to come down there. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. Just got on an aeroplane, and you know what I'm like. I've had the added bonus that you know there is another attraction up there, is apart from you. Tell me that. <laughs> Break my heart. I thought you were coming for me. Just because your son happens to live here. <laughs> yeah. Son and son yeah. and daughter in law now. So yeah, we're uh I know. Yeah. We can, you know, do do two things while when we visit. Yeah. Yeah. Although it's funny because he we occasionally we talk about the fact that you guys are coming up here and he'll say to people yeah, mum's best friend's coming up and they'll have to see each other and talk quilting and everything. And I always feel really guilty. I'm like, do we take it? Do I take you away from him while he's here? And then I think, no, he's used to it. That's he's right. And that gives them time to, like, look, if they're playing a board game with friends, I am more than happy to leave them to that and come and chat quilting with you. So, yeah. 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 Because your boys are all, I say boys, you have four. I have four boys and they all enjoy a good board game and yep. I am the odd one out. Actually, Tim is not a huge fan, but if he's, all his brothers are in, he might join in. But, yeah, no, yeah, Tim and I are the ones. And I, I most games I will refuse to play. It's just not fun for me. So Yeah, and it's really funny, funny, ha because your son who lives here has just gotten married to a lovely um, young lady and she doesn't like board games. I know. It's fabulous. So we go and watch Jane Austen movies together. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's just so funny how 
people gravitate to certain personalities and um yeah obviously now he didn't marry her for her board gaming skills no but board gaming is such a thing for him that you kind of go it's really weird that he's ended up with someone well, not weird because I know why they've ended up together they're very well suited but that's not a that wasn't a draw card like it no. wasn't a and it's probably good. It probably means that they will have a long and happy marriage because they are not competitive against each other in the board game <laughs> realm because I love your son, but he and I often, <laughs> I end up on his team and then I get performance anxiety because I'm like, I can't be, I'm not as competitive as you. Yeah, I, yeah, he can, he can uh, bring out that competitive streak fairly, uh, fairly well. Yeah, whereas yeah. one of your other sons, the the next one down, Matthew, him and I bond over trash talking each other. So <laughs> he's very good. We at it. have that appreciation. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's handy that you've got four boys because we've only got one, and ours is younger than your four. Um, yeah, he's younger than my ours. He's fourteen now, isn't he? No, he's only eleven. Oh, all right. Sorry, I'm adding years to him. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, yeah. okay. Right. So, yeah, he's so he's 11. five years younger than my youngest at this point. Yep. And I find it really weird because we met when he was eight weeks old, which means I met your youngest when he was five, which... He was so cute. I know. And now he's, like, learning to drive and graduating high school and yeah, they're all very lovely young men. For those that are listening, high school in Canberra goes to year 10. If you're in New South Wales or other parts of Australia, high school goes to year 12. But in Canberra, college is year 11 and 12 for the most part. So yeah, just so in case in what we're saying is confusing. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be confusing on so many levels. But yeah, yeah. so seeing these young men grow up. Yeah. But it's really weird to me. They've always been the age they are now. Like it's. Yeah. I don't remember them as being little kids. It's a really weird, weird yeah. setup. And then for Sam, our kid, they were essentially the people that he got to play with at Christmas time and they taught him how to play board games and how to trash talk. <laughs> I don't know that mine can take all of that responsibility, <laughs> but sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's probably his mother. And I say that now, he's in he's in playing video games now, which he also gets from his mother. But yeah, I your boys were very much pivotal in teaching him good sportsmanship and how to be nice and how to oh, clean up nice. after I'll I'll yeah. pass it on to them. No, don't, because then they'll think I like them. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want them sure. getting big heads. <laughs> You know, we can't have that. No, no, no. we're Australian. Got to keep yep. everybody on the same playing field. But, yes, so. Um, well, you know, uh, that whole tall poppy thing, you know, everybody got to go to the toilet, same as everyone else. So, you know, it's 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 nice to be um, known for what you do and if you do it well, even if it's within your own circle. But, honestly, everybody's got to go to the toilet. It's not like my Mine doesn't stink and yours does. Uh, hello? <laughs> I don't go to the toilet. I am like the queen mum. We right. don't do nothing. You don't nothing. do nothing. Radio. Nothing. Right. 
Um, <laughs> you might want to cut that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't understand it, but I think sometimes it's a cultural thing with yeah. Australians who are, are very much British descendants. We've been to quilt market together um, and we've seen how people react to celebrities and stuff like that. And, again, I don't go – I don't know about – no, I do know about you because I I think I know you well enough. We don't go into making quilts to get accolades or prizes or – I don't know about you, but I make a quilt just to amuse myself. If it's good work, we'll put it in. But, you know, we're not going to die in a ditch if it doesn't – win a prize that's a bonus oh no we will we will say nasty stuff about the judge's taste if it doesn't win a prize but no (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean it's just it's a really weird and I guess that's why why part of why I want to do the podcast and talk to people that I love and and get to play with and stuff is that we are all human yeah we all put quilt blocks in upside down we all you know, start put the, wrong some, on quilt. put the wrong backing on a quilt. We all look at stuff we've done and go, we hate it and then we love it and then we put it in a cupboard while we make the next thing that we love. You know, we all do the same thing just because we have access to different platforms to share that doesn't make us any better than anybody yeah. else. It doesn't change anything. We can talk about stuff and that's my goal with the podcast is that we're going to talk to different people about what they love and what they do. And the intention of that is to show people that you just got to pick what works for you. Mm. Just because that's how I like to do it doesn't mean that's how you should do it. And it doesn't devalue your work if it's not like my work or your work or someone else's work. Or Yeah. I'm not a fan of crazy quilting. You know that the Victorian era yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and I, all that. To, I was doing a like, what yeah, is it? The, yeah. And the modern and the modern versions of it. It's just not something that gets me. But I can appreciate the work that goes into it. It's yeah. not something you'll ever find me doing. But I guess as a as a you know someone in the industry, I can appreciate the work that's gone into and the skill that's gone into doing whether it's all embroidery or done by machine or whatever but it's not something you're going to get me doing. Yeah. Probably a little bit like fussy cutting. If I fussy cut, I usually message Angie and say, I've done some fussy cutting because it's a turn up for the books <laughs> sort of thing. And then um, I go, ooh, that explains the cold chill I just felt in the air. <laughs> so normally I'm like, let's just cut this fabric and get this quilt made. But, yeah, so if it's fuss getting, it's, it's, you know, it's Angie's thing. And I appreciate the time that she's put into it. Do I want to spend the time cutting a bear to go in the centre of a block? No, I don't. But I can appreciate that you've spent that time and got that skill um, or the interest or whatever it is that drives you to cut out a particular bit to make sure it's perfectly centred in the middle of a, a pieced block yep. because it looks great and I can appreciate that. It's just not something I want to do I know I will happily quilt it but I don't necessarily want to do it myself yeah and I guess that's the thing I I really love and I could walk around a quilt museum for hours and look at everything and I could talk for hours about oh did you see 
that color combination or did you see that block or did you see that lacquer block? Did you see the improv that that person did? Did you like all of that excites me? All of that teaching classes for me is really great because I get to meet and chat with people and see what they're making. And I love it when people email me and go, I just made this, look at this. Oh, mm. I did your pattern, look at that. Da, da, da. Um, 100 days, completely selfish. I just want to <laughs> see the same blocks made in hundreds of different ways. And yeah. that really fills my bucket to see what other people do with quilt design and fabric and, and all of that sort of stuff. I never, ever, ever enjoy it when someone else makes someone feel like their quilts aren't worthy because they haven't done X, Y, or Z, or no. that you have to do it this way, that those colours don't go together, that they think that quilt doesn't work. That's just your opinion, right? Yeah. And as my grandfather said so eloquently, opinions are like rectums. Everyone's got one. So... I'm glad you, know, you like changed it, that word. Yeah, I was. I'm like, and then I'm in my head. I'm mentally doing the scan for what is the anatomical word for? <laughs> and it was really funny because he didn't actually have one. Because he anyway. But so I get. I digress. And that's the thing. Like I think that's that's the thing that really excites me. And for a long time, a long, long, long time, when I was doing this, I used to try and hamper down my excitement because I didn't think it was cool or what was expected of me in the industry or what people wanted to hear or see or any of that sort of stuff because it just made me so excited to to see it and play with it and to you know see what other people would do and there's and all been of that so many versions come out over the years of like where people have played up different parts of that quilt, the combinations they've used, the colours they've used, the, you know, it's been really interesting to see. And I know when I've done it, every everyone I've tried to do something a little bit different, whether it, um, and I have actually fussy cut on a kinship quilt. Um, you have. I have on a couple of them actually. But, you know, I've done a monochrome colour way. I've done completely scrappy. You We've know, had people do do solids. Like yeah. I am so envious of people who can do a solid quilt. I know um, because I look at it and I think, oh, can you imagine the oh. quilting on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see different things to me. I see all oh, the patience and the um, commitment and the discipline that someone has to work with solids because I personally get bored with solids. I can't, there's something in my brain I can't do the same thing again and again and again, but I am so envious of that in other people. Mm. And it's like improv. I can't do improv. I'm too much of a control enthusiast to do improv. I've tried it once and it sucks because it's too controlled. So it doesn't read as improv. It reads as a really dodgy beginner. <laughs> and so I really admire that stuff in other people. And when I go to shows, they're the quilts that I'm often drawn to because they bring something that I I don't see the world like that. And so, yeah. um, and that's really, I don't know. And I think it's the thing that you and I have always really bonded over is we can look at 
different quilts and different things and go, oh, that, that, I like that. Or did you see that person who did this? Or because like you said, you don't do the fabric. I do the fabric and I'm like, oh, did you see this designer's just bought this out? And you're like, um, I'm raising four children and have an active social commitment lifestyle and did it, I do not have time for your fabric <laughs> obsession. Whereas a lot of the times, you know, you'll go, oh, like the solid thing. Imagine the quilting I could do on that. <laughs> and I think, oh, that'd be the pits. I couldn't think of anything worse than trying to, because I would spend 90% of my time on picking it. Um, we just see the world differently and that's okay. And I'm yet to mil- meet a quilter who I haven't loved their work in some way. Like I can't think of anyone in the decade that I've been doing this that I've ever met and I've gone, ugh, I can't. Yeah. And look, no. even if it's just like, you know, the designs that they've got, you might think, oh, well, if I did it, I would probably do it in this, which is then more you. But, yeah, there's there's so many gorgeous designers out there, whether it's fabric or quilts or, like, you know, quilting patterns, quilt patterns. Um, oh, and the skill sets, like the yeah. skill. And, like, people who are what we would call hobbyists because they're not trying to derive an earning, that's the hmm. only Seriously, in my head, that's the only differentiation between a professional and a hobbyist is the professional is trying to earn money off it. Mm. The hobbyist does it as a hobby is there is no distinction in terms of skill set a lot of the time. There are some hobbyists out there that are some of the best quilters Mm. that you like. Their precision in their patchworking, their use of colour, their – the way they see what they can do on a domestic machine, what they can do on a long arm machine. Yeah. You know, we haven't even touched on because it's not really our jam, art quilts. Yeah. You know, there's artists out there that are painting on fabric, dyeing yeah. fabric. Oh, thread painting. Yeah. Oh, oh well, that's probably all your I've I've seen some yeah, well, that's where my brain went. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of like the painting and the, yeah. the different kind of fabrics and well, I was thinking yeah. of painting, painting with thread. So, yeah. yeah, all of that sort of stuff. I've not actually had an opportunity to have a go. I've used like, you know, I've quilted fairly heavily but not actual thread painting. But there are some amazing artists out there that do that and, yeah, it's just Yeah, amazing. like people, people talk about having to live to 100 to use all their fabric and I think oh, I will have to live to 100 to even remotely see all the stuff that there is to do be done in this craft. And it it's one of those things when people are like, oh, you do quilting. Oh, you don't look old enough to be a quilter. And I think, <laughs> I wish I started quilting when I was five because I would be 46 now and actually have seen a bit. I've seen nothing in 10 years, nothing. I started too late and there's too much to see and and I think, oh, quilting, why? I get really frustrated. I'm like, why isn't quilting like the equivalent to painting something that hangs in the Louvre? Like, you know what I mean? We don't, we don't, we downplay it because it's a, a utilitarian oh, And then we get in, the, but then you get in, the, you open up that can of worms where, you know, what is artisan and what is, you know, hobby or bespoke and what level are we at? And is it, you know, the gender thing or or what and it's uh yeah that's a whole nother can of worms that 
Yeah, which is why this podcast is about fussy cutting and we're going to stay with fabric and playing with nice stuff and things that we love. And I am going to thank you for coming today and for chatting and spending this time with us. We've run over a little bit today. We will meet again officially uh, and talk about some more stuff. So like I said, if you've got any questions, there's something we can help you with, pop it in an email or a comment or hit us up on social media. I will put all the links to finding Rayleigh online over the internet. Um, if you want a book to use her skills, she does take bookings. She still does do quilting for everybody. Um, and don't forget, you can post your quilt into her so you don't have to be in Canberra. No, um, technology is, is fantastic. Yep. And for 100 days, uh, we are going to be offering, Rayleigh's done a series on how to quilt kinship blocks. Um, and so we'll provide the links for that in Society Gnome. And you can find them on Rayleigh's YouTube channel, which I will also provide a link to. So yeah. So thanks for joining me. Thanks You're for hanging welcome. out. Good to chat. Um, it's always good to chat. And I will see you next month. Sounds possibly. good. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Ooh, lovely. See you then. Thanks for listening to the Fussy Cutters podcast. Enjoyed listening? Why not subscribe so you'll never miss an episode? Did you know the quickest way to the heart of any podcaster is to leave a review or recommend the podcast to a friend? It's true. It is. Until next week, get out there and fondle that fabric.